0: Good morning, New Life Community Church. We're so glad that you are joining us this morning. What a wonderful day to come before the Lord and just praise His holy name. Amen. And what a wonderful time of worship. I just wanted to encourage you, if you haven't yet, to um, share on Facebook. um, Share the link to YouTube with a friend or family member, someone who you know may need a bit of encouragement this morning. We're here to spread the gospel. Amen. And what better way to do it than to use the platforms that are given to us in this time through social media, through technology and be so effective in spreading the gospel and the word of Jesus Christ, because that's what we're called to do. I just wanted to share a couple of announcements. If you haven't yet done so, um, and you want to give, whether it be an offering or your tithe, um, you can text the word give to one eight three three four one four zero one six five, 833 414 165 And... Um, any amount is a blessing to the church. As I've shared before, it's not just for NLCC. It, your gift reaches a multitude and we give because you gave, so we give back as well, we tithe off of your tithe, so again, if you haven't done so, um, you can text the word give to one eight three three four one four zero one six five. and for those of you who have been with us, who are part of our family, and I don't want to exclude anybody who's been tuning in to us on a regular basis most recently, but for those of you who know, who've been wondering, and those of you who may not know, we do participate in a firework fundraiser every year we've been blessed to be chosen because not everybody who signs up has the opportunity to do so to participate but we want to give you an update on that it's coming a little late in the season that we normally give information out I want to say beginning like the end of April between May but y'all, we got our fireworks stand, so we're so excited because it's a way that um, helps us to produce more funds to be able to give to be do to do more outreaches. So um, I want to give you guys a little bit of information on that. Starting June 27th, we're going to be receiving our delivery. So if you are available, you can message our uh, message us through Facebook, or um, if you have our contact information, or, or if you want to be a part of of. <laughs> the setup because it does require some work. Um, we need all hands on deck and we appreciate your time. So on June 27th, between 12 and 2 is our delivery for our fireworks. And it's at the same location on the corner of Santa Ana and Sierra in Fontana, California. So if you're out of the area, I don't mean to exclude you, but it's going to be a little bit of a drive, right? But um, we do start selling at 12 p.m. on the 28th of June through July 4th. So if you're interested and you want to come and fellowship, it gives you an opportunity to get out of the house, change out of your PJs, shower, and get a little fresh air because we will be outside. We are going to be practicing social distancing. We're going to have all of the essential materials needed to keep you safe because that is our number one priority. Um, we're going to be providing those supplies to you. But we would love it if you would join us, be a part of this Um experience, um, and it'll be a blessing to us as well. So we want to thank you in advance. And with no further ado, I want to introduce Pastor to come on up so he can share this morning's word with you.
1: Good morning, church. I'm happy, ecstatic that you've joined us this morning. Uh, I'm happy that we have people in the house of God today, uh, other than myself, my wife, Austin and Alec. And so I'm uh, tell you what, you know, it feels odd to speak in front of more than two people uh, physically again. So I, I, I'm excited uh, just to give you an update. Um, things are 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 working and moving. Uh I know people are anxious about when we're gonna actually open our physical location. Uh things need to fall into place this week and we'll uh, uh, let you know exactly what that looks like and the time frame uh, on that um it's gonna look completely different like we've we've ever had before so just bear with us more to come on that but continue uh joining us um yeah even when we open continue sharing on Facebook YouTube uh and, and let's reach the masses like we've been doing Every Sunday for, I want to say, 13, 14 weeks, however long it's been. It's been a while. So I'm glad you joined us this morning. I want to dive into a word of prayer before I dive into my, my sermon this morning. And so uh, let's go before the Father in prayer. Heavenly Father, I come before you today, Lord Jesus, and I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the ability to come together, Lord Jesus. Even though we may not be physically together, Lord, we are spiritually tied in together, Heavenly Father, through the, the wi fis the internet, the airwaves, Heavenly Father. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the, the person on the other end of the camera, Heavenly Father. I thank you, Lord, for the person that's physically here today, Lord. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word, Lord Jesus, whether it be watch live now or watch the, or, or heard later. Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you do a work only that you can do, Heavenly Father. I pray. Heavenly Father that your word will minister to us Heavenly Father it will challenge us and it will change us Lord to move and and live in the direction that you want us to move and live in Lord I thank you Heavenly Father for your word and I just ask you right now Lord that use me as a vessel to bring forth your glory how you want it to be said Lord nothing more nothing less Heavenly Father but take control of the remainder of the service just like you did the beginning of it in Jesus name we pray amen amen This morning, we are in our Elevate series again last week. If you missed it, we were in Elevate Change. And I, I, I co-pastored or, or co preacher so say, with my wife, and, and, and if you missed it, turn back uh, from last week, and it was a powerful message. And what we saw, we saw four truths. We saw that change starts when each one of us. It starts within our hearts. We also found out that change, if you haven't noticed already, change is uncomfortable, and we don't like change. But in order for a change to occur, we have to get uncomfortable. We also found out that change is just not a word, but it is an action. We gotta does not speak it, but we got to live it and we got to do it. And lastly is when we change on the other side of change, there is a blessing waiting if we change what God was wanting us to change in and through our lives. This week we are in week 17. Hard to believe week 17 of our Elevate series. It's, it's amazing. It's been 17 weeks. Tell you how time flies by but this morning my title is Elevate Success Elevate success. Now, before you carried away, and exactly what is pastor talking about success and what does he mean by success? And am I gonna get rich and famous and well off? Let's just hold the brakes for just a second because I'm gonna define what success is, not by the world standard, but by Google standard, okay? Let's look at Google, what Google says the definition of success is, and it says it's the accomplishment of an aim or purpose. Success is different for each one of us. When you set out to do something, when you set out to aim, when you set out of uh, the purpose or when you set out to accomplish something, what you're doing is when it's completed, that is called success. But, you know, in, in, in our world, in our generation, what we've done is we took some success and we kind of tailored it to a monetary gain. And yes, that could be true. It could be a monetary gain. But in reality, I don't. It's not. It, it, it is not. If so many times we've tied success with the rich and famous and well off. They're successful. But I'm here to tell you today, it's not about that whatsoever. We can have success in our daily lives. In fact, I'll take it a step further. I believe that God wants to have, wants us to have success in our daily lives. You know, the ultimate success is when we make it to heaven. And we come up, and and, and Jesus is standing there, and we're going to hear one of two things. We're going to hear, depart from me, for I never knew you. Or we're going to hear the opposite, which I pray to God most of us here, if not all of us can hear. And that is, well done, my good and faithful servant. That is the ultimate success in our lives. And hopefully we all hear that, well done, good and faithful servant. We've done success. We've completed the race. Amen. Your success level might be different than my level. And my level might be different than your level and vice versa. But because success looks different for each one of us, does not neglect that we all can what? Achieve success. In order to to achieve success, there's a few things that we must understand and a few things we must be willing to do. One is, and this is a freebie, this is not in part of your notes this morning, but one is success doesn't just happen. It doesn't just fall in your lap. You know, it's, it's amazing on um, coaching young children and uh, uh, they all want to be, you know, the, the Steph Curry, and Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. And, and they think that, you know, that they don't work and, and, and put no effort in and they're just naturally gifted. And yeah, there is some gift involved, but there's a lot of work ethic involved in that. And, uh, and unfortunately, we're a lot like those young children. That just think that success just happens and it just comes together. I've also heard Christians say, "Well, God has blessed that individual mightily." And yes, God's blessing is upon different people, different different uh, uh, levels. I would say, but in the, the same manner, that means that you're not just successful by looking at somebody else and saying, "Wow, look what God has done in their life." God's blessing you in your own way and calling you to success in your own right. God does call some people to a higher stage than others. But here's the key here. That does not mean you cannot achieve success on the stage that he has called you on. See, we looked at people different stage and look at the level of success and we look at people and say, man, that, that individual has been successful or blessed. But that does not negate the, the, the stage that he has called you on, because I believe that he's called each one of us on a stage of life. See, we all want to be successful. Whether it be a close relationship with God, I, I want to have success with with a relationship with God. I want to have success in my in my marriage. I want to have success in my family. I want to have success in my friends. I want to have success in in, in my church. I want to have success in my health. There's all areas that we want success in. We all want God to take us to the next level. We all want to be elevated within, in what God wants in our life. We all want to be used mightily by God. We all want to be elevated to the next that God has for us. But few are willing to do what he asks of us. And that's where the conflict comes in. This morning, I want to take a look at Paul and we can all agree. And we can all look at Paul and say, Paul was successful. He was mightily successful in God's calling. So let's see what Paul has to say in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. It says this, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an internal eternal price. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Paul gives us some good nuggets in these four verses. There's four truths I want us to see this morning, four takeaways in our text this morning on how to elevate success. The first one is we must be an active participant. You have to be an active participant. Paul uses this analogy of sports events for, for everyday life, and sporting events was a big deal during Paul's time. There was a, a game uh, in, in the city of Corinth called Isthmian Games. It was, it was second and prestigious to what we know as what? The Olympics. So you got to think about how big the games were. And some of us, even nowadays, I, I even throw it in my sermons a lot, sports and life come together and they meet each other. And a lot of times we put our children in sports because it, it develops character and develops uh, things in our life that will carry us uh, throughout our life and some of us eat sleep and live sports and we 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 miss it dearly you know I I, there's only so many times I can watch reruns of the NBA finals of 2001 and 2002 and 1955 and whatever else has been on NBA on on TV I want the real thing we've missed our sports but Paul Paul writes in a way to, to 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 as a runner running a race and Paul says in verse 24, what does he say? He says, don't you realize, don't you realize that in the race, everyone runs? You know, when did the light bulb go off? When did Paul, when did that awakening happen with say, you know, don't you realize that everybody who uh, uh, runs a, 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 a that, that, that is in a race runs in the race? You know, that that might sound dominant and, and it may sound insignificant. But in order for you to win the race, you got to be what? In the race. In order for you to win the race, you have to be in the race for you to be successful. You need to start The race. Start the race. You will never reach success if you never enter into the race. That's 100% fact. You will fail 100% of the time for 100% of the time that you don't enter the race. That's a guarantee fail. That's a guarantee flop. And he says, Paul, saying, don't you realize in a race, everyone runs? No, I thought the race was for just to sit back. I thought, you know, they would have pushed me in a race or I thought it was just a chill. No, a race is to what? It's to run. That's why you run in a race and you, and you do it to win it. And Paul isn't bringing something new or an enlightening into our, our, our life this morning. However, he, he, uh, how many of us do not do that obvious. Do not do the obvious thing, how many of us don't enter the race, therefore we never run in the race, therefore we never win in the race, and therefore we never achieve success in our race. There's a, a, a scripture in matthew twenty five We know the parable of the three servants or the parable of the talents, or however you want to call it and and and, and there was three uh, um, uh, men and, the, and and what they did was they They uh, 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 went before their master, and their master, the first one, gave him five bags of silver or five bags of gold or uh, however the translation you're looking at. My translation, it said silver. The first one got five bags of silver. The second one got two bags of silver. The third one got one bag of silver and the master left. When the master came back, he asked the one that who had five bags of silver, he goes, what, what did you do with the five bags of silver? And that one says, hey, I got five more bags of silver. So now he had 10 bags of silver and the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. The second one comes in and goes, what did you do? You with the two bags i gave you and he says what well, here i got two more bags from the silver you gave me so i have four bags total and he said great and, and and he was happy with that but what happened with the one bag verse 18 of chapter 25 it says but the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money he did not use it he did not enter the race therefore he was never successful the one with the bag, one bag hid his bag. He never put it to use. The others used their bags and because they used their bags, because they, they were entered the race, because they, they went on forward with what the master wanted. They were what rewarded with more talents. What happened to the servant who had one silver? Let's listen to what, what verse 24 and 25 says. It says, then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. Verse 25 is the key. He said, I was afraid. I will lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. He was afraid, so he did nothing with it. In the long run, what he did was he ended up losing his one bag because it was taken from him. From the master. Let me tell you this morning, God might have given you one bag of silver. He might have given you one bag of gold. He might have given you talents. He might have, and I'm not saying might, he has given you talents and he's given you gifts. What do we need to start doing church? We got to start using those gifts and talents for what he has called us to do. Whatever he has given you must be used. But you know what the issue is? The issue is Is my issue as well as your issue, and it's our issue as a church. Is just like this one individual got the one bag. Like he said in verse 25, I was afraid. I was afraid. And I've been there, and I've done it. We fear, and therefore we never enter the race. We never become active in the race. We fear. And there's many fears. There's a fear of failure, so we never start. But because we never start, we've already failed. There's, there's a fear of rejection of, of what does my race look like and, 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 and how am I going to, to, to do my race and how am I going to run my race and what does my race actually look like and what does the course actually look like? And we never become active in the race or we, we're afraid that, you know what? And I've been there and done it myself where I don't start something or I don't announce something because I'm afraid I will never finish it. And because I'm afraid I'll never finish it, I never start getting into the race. And I've never become an active participant in the race. And I've never received success because I've never entered the race. The only way to use what God has given you is you've got to become an active member of the race, an active participant in the race. And the real issue is, and I've been on this side too, is we're too comfortable being spectators we're too too comfortable being spectators and it's challenging for us because we looked at look at where america's at today and look at what's going on in our streets, and look what's going on all along and around our country, and we wonder why America, a, a nation that was founded on God, why is America in the crossroads that we are at today? You know why the Americas at the crossroads that we are at today is because we've been too comfortable on the sideline. Us as a church have been too comfortable in our buildings, we have been too comfortable in our houses, we have been too comfortable where we are at and not using our gifts and talents for the world to see. And therefore, we are not actively participating in the race of life. And therefore, we have issues in America because we've been on the sideline for too long. As Paul stated, all runners run in the race. Let me tell you, I'm going to challenge us today. It's time to start becoming an active participant in your race. You are in a race. Your life is a race. And you are either an active participant or you're sitting on the sideline watching your race pass you by. Either part of the race or you're on the sideline. Let me tell you this this morning. Your world needs you. Your family needs you. The generations that will follow you need you. To become an active participant in the game of life. They need you. The generational curses stop with you. The change in your generational family lineage starts and stops with you right now this morning. Getting active, getting an active participant in life. It's time to break off those past generational curses, it ends with you being active, not being a passerby, not sitting on the sideline and watching it and being a spectator. It's time to start getting active, being an active participant. God might've given you one talent, but until you become an active participant, God's going to say, that's your one talent. That's what you're going to keep. Until you become active and start using that one talent that God's going to say, I see you. I'm going to give you two talents and I'm going to give you three talents. We're talking about a a double anointing, a triple anointing. Until we start walking in the first anointing, there is no double and triple anointing. God's not going to elevate you to the next when we're too busy sitting on the sideline because we're looking at it because we're too afraid to enter the race. And we're sitting there being a spectator, not being an active participant. in what God has called us to do, who has given more. The two other servants. Why? Because they were active. They were active participants. Let me tell you this. It's not too late. The master has not called you. We still got a heartbeat. You're on the other end. You hit play on this, 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 this video right now. Let me tell you, because of that, it's not too late for you to get into the game. It is not too late to use your gifts and your talents. Use them and get into the race. Amen. Experience the success God has laid out for you. The second thing we see going back, we're going to read 1 Corinthians 9, 25, 27, four times this morning. It says uh, in verse 25 again, it says, all athletes are disciplined. disciplined, And they're training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose every step. I am not just shadow boxing. In verse 27, he says again, I discipline. want to circle that, underline it, whatever. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might, myself might be disqualified. What is Paul talking about? We're talking about discipline. He says, develop discipline, develop discipline. And you know what? This is a harder one to swallow. Don't turn me off just yet. We don't like discipline. We don't like it as a kid. We don't like it now. We don't like it from our bosses. We don't like it from God. But discipline is necessary. And when we think about the word discipline, we always associate discipline. It's another one of those words that we associate discipline with what? Disobedience or correction or, or punishment, I should say. I remember growing up and I was a middle child uh, between two sisters and uh, that's why some of you guys pray extra hard for me. No, I was just playing. But, you know, when I would when, uh, get in trouble uh, with my sisters, it was always their fault. And so because I was an angel. So we would get into trouble. And I remember my mom would come in and uh, I was at fault just as much as they were. And my mom would come in and I remember uh, uh, just feeling, feeling her wrath. And, you know, we wouldn't worry about mom. I'm uh, Sorry, mom, I know you're watching now, but I we wouldn't worry about mom. We were worried about the powerful words that she would say that come out of her mouth. And those powerful words would say, wait until your dad gets home, right? She would say, wait until your dad gets home. And for that, those words, as soon as we got mom to that level, and she says, wait until your dad gets home, we knew we were in trouble. And it was time to shut her mouth. It was time to follow an order. It was time to uh, obey and listen. And we knew that dad was going to come home. And really, dad's discipline was no different than mom's discipline. In fact, I think mom maybe disciplined us more than dad did. And I don't know what it was, but those powerful words, wait until your dad gets home. And I remember one day I I pushed her to the edge and she was just She was like, wait until your dad gets home. And I thought, oh, man, I'm done. Like, I'm I'm completely done. I remember my dad gets home and and he tells me, he goes, don't do it again, son. And I was like, oh, that's it. All right. You know, but I was the the fear of God for those hours waiting for my dad to walk through those doors. I was I was thought I'm in deep, deep trouble. There's going to be some discipline. And and when we think about discipline, we think about those times that we were in trouble as kids or those times that we got in trouble at work or or those times that we didn't do what God asked us to do. And so there's discipline in our lives. This morning, I want us to see discipline in another light. See, the, the definition of discipline is this. The practice of training people to obey rules or code of behavior. And the second part of defini- the definition is what we're used to is using punishment to correct obedience. The second definition is what we correlate to discipline, more than the first definition. Discipline in us, discipline in you, discipline in me is, meaning, or is defined as training ourselves to behave or obey in a certain area in our lives, also known as self-discipline. It's a, it's, it, it's a, it's a big one. And Paul says, and as an athlete disciplines their body, Paul says, as an athlete disciplines their body, so do I. I discipline my body like an athlete. And in Paul, as our example, we need to step in and say, as Paul disciplined his body as an athlete, so do we discipline our bodies as Paul does and like the athlete does. You know, last week we, 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 we looked at change and, and, I, and I told you the word elevate encompass change. It encompasses the word change. Without change, there is no elevate. Let me tell you another uh, a, a word that does not happen in elevate it, it, unless it, it happens is discipline. We don't elevate unless we have discipline. There is no elevate. There is no going to the next level. I don't care what it is in life. You don't go to the next level without a form of discipline in your life and it could be uh, a health it could be relational it could be your relationship with god if you're not disciplined enough being your word and pray forget about elevating forget about god taking you to the next because it all stops with discipline look what the the writer of hebrew says verse 12 or chapter 12 verse 11 it says no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening right it's amen to that right It's painful, he says, but afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. When you think about that, that is powerful. When there's discipline after discipline occurs, there's a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in the way of discipline. That's powerful when you think about it. Without discipline there is no what? No elevate. Without discipline there is no change. Without discipline there is no different results. This week I was on my on my run and uh, uh as I was running I was I was just praying and meditating on on God because that's the only way I get through my run. Otherwise I want to quit within the first half mile. And 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 I was just just meditating and I and I thought, "Lord, you know, I want to get more fitter. I want to to run like I was fifteen again, you know, how is this gonna happen? And I heard him clear as day and he says, discipline. Discipline. And then he, he pressed it upon my heart, how do I become a a, 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 a better husband? And he says discipline. How do I become a, a better father? And he says, discipline. How do I become a better pastor? And he says, discipline. How do I become a better friend? And he says, discipline. How do I become a better a worker or a better uncle or or, or, or a, 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 just, just a, a better person overall? And he says, it all happens and it, it all evolves around discipline. And I can talk about this all day long. In fact, this is where my sermon started at right here. And, and, God, and, and I felt like if, if I talk about discipline, there's going to be just TVs that turn off all over the area because we don't like discipline. Discipline. God revealed to me it takes discipline to be better. And the areas you want to be better, it takes discipline. It takes Discipline. And that's what Paul was speaking of. To be successful, it takes discipline. We hear the interviews from from so many successful people and we don't see what what it took for them to get to the next level. But I guarantee you, it took discipline upon their life. Nobody sees their discipline, the, the work that they did, that they needed to go through to reach success. No one sees the areas in your life that God is working on right now and dealing with you right now. No one sees those areas. To be successful, you may have to spend the extra time. To be, to be successful, you may have to go the extra mile. To be successful, you might have to spend a little more time in your word. To be successful, you may have to pray a little more. And the reason why you do all that is because you have to have a, a, a desire and a discipline to get down and dirty per se to get intimate to get to know god and to get to know where he wants you to go and to get to know what he wants for your life and sometimes it's gonna take a discipline what i mean by that is sometimes it's gonna take a a time out from the tv sometimes it's gonna take the time out from from maybe the not getting eight hours of sleep but you get seven and a half hours of sleep sometimes it's gonna take the time of you feel tired but you haven't spent time with god and so you need to go and per se a prayer Closet in your living room on your couch, lock yourself in your car, whatever it may be, to be disciplined to get to one-on-one with God so God can show you what the next is. That's what I mean by discipline is getting really intimate with God and understanding where He's at and where He wants to take you to, because that really is when we start to elevate and God starts moving in our lives, is when we become disciplined in our lives. None of it happens. None of it happens without discipline. Paul says he feared. He feared he would be disqualified if he wasn't disciplined. And you know, the problem with us is we fear the discipline more we fear than we fear God. We fear the discipline more than we fear God. And and Paul feared God more than discipline. It takes discipline for what God wants from us in order to accomplish what he wants in his will and his for our life. Going back to the first Corinthians chapter nine, verse 26, this is so I run with purpose and every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. The third thing, the third key, the third truth is remain faithful, faithful and focused. Faithful and focused. Never take your eyes off the prize, because once you do, you what? You fail. Once you do, you fail. Once we take, once you take your aim, or you lose your purpose, the next thing you're going to happen is you're going to fail. And And I and 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 I touched on last week a little bit, but Peter walking on water took his eyes off Jesus, and what happened? He fell because he took his eyesight. Off the price. And when we look at Paul and all that Paul went through, and we'll see exactly what Paul went through here in just a moment, because he went through a lot. But through it all, what did Paul do? He remained focused and he remained faithful to God. As Paul remained focused and faithful, we got to remain faithful. We got to remain focused. Sometimes the hardest part of the race, what's the hardest part of the race? To get started. Once you get started, it doesn't become easier; it becomes harder. And some, for some people, it's the beginning of the race. For some people, it's the middle of the race. Some people, it's the end of the race. But what gets you through it? What gets you through the finish line? It is being faithful and focused. I'm gonna tell my wife. I think it was Monday or Tuesday. We went for a run, and and uh, I told her, "Keep on going." So it's always the, the first mile, right? The first mile. Once you go past that first mile, you can go two miles. You can go three miles. You can go four miles. I haven't hit that yet. I got to find a longer route. But it, it, it becomes easier. And, and, and if you become faithful and focused, something happens. When you're faithful and focused, you become Successful. Philippians 1.6, Paul writes this in Philippians 1.6. He says, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. How can he be certain about that? It's because he is faithful and Paul was focused. Amen. You'll see it through success. What success means again? Remember what success means? The accomplishment of an aim purpose. Not millions of dollars in the bank unless God wants you to have millions of dollars. It's, again, the accomplishment of an aim or purpose. You aim or you have purpose for something and it is completed. You have achieved what? Success. Amen. Remain focused and faithful. The last thing, one of my favorites and may screw with your theology a little bit, but let's, let's, let's dive into it. Verse 24 again says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? How many people get the prize? One person in the race, in, in an actual race. So run to win, he says. What does he say? To run to what? Win. So all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to what? Win a prize. That will fade away, but we do it for a what? Eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step, and I'm not just shadow boxing. Shadow boxing is just boxing the air. Verse 27, he says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. The fourth key is to pursue the price. We must pursue the price. Like I said a minute ago, this is this this is not popular. Some churches it's all they preach, and other churches they don't preach it whatsoever. And it's the subject of winning the prize, winning the prize. I believe that God has made you, and I and I believe that God has instilled in you a sense of victory, not a victim. You're a victor, not a victim. And I believe that. And, and every time that, that Satan t- t- tries to tell you something different, because he does it with me, I let him know that I'm a victor over him. I am not a victim of him. Amen. And that's important for us to understand. But I believe that God, and I don't even believe it, it's, it's, it's in, the, in the word of God, that God made you in his image. So keeping that in mind, that God made you in his image, does God lose? God does not lose. God does not lose. In fact, he wins. In fact, God wins every single time. God does not lose. I believe you all agree that everything God does, he he wins. Right. He wins. But somewhere down the line, we felt that it was it's not right for us to talk about winning. Or it's not right for us to talk about the prize. It's not right for us to win. And it's not right to us to be victors. And so we walk around, in, 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 as we should, humble Christians. But we, we've accepted humble Christians as in defeat and downcast and a loss. And that is absolutely not true. Because I don't, I don't know where that theology comes in at, but I, I've seen that. We have to be, be humble. Yeah, we can be humble and win at the same time because Jesus did. Amen. And you think about Jesus, even in his death, Jesus still what? One in his death. There is no losing. First Corinthians 15, 57 said, but thank God again, Paul writing this, but thank God he gives us victory. What does he give a seat in the chat line right now? He gives us what victory over sin and death. What's a victory? A victory is a win. It's not a loss it's a win he says i'm giving he's given us victory over sin and death through our what lord savior jesus christ when do we have victory it's through our savior jesus christ we have victory through him and how many times does paul mention victory in these four verses four verses paul mentions victory three different times three different times victory Victory. Paul says when you enter the race, it's to win. No other reason to enter the race than to what? To win. I don't enter a race to lose it. I enter a race to win it. That's what we enter a race to, to win the race. And you think about a race and it's beneficial for yourself and your health and for others. Yes. But there's one reason we enter it. And that's our competitive nature. And that's for us to what? Win the race. It's it's for us to win the race. The issue is, again, we got to enter the race to win it. So what do we win, Paul says? An everlasting crown. Going back to those words that we're going to hear Jesus speak of, well done, my good and faithful servants. means we got the crown. We got the everlasting crown. We got the bling on our head. Amen. Paul says an everlasting crown. And I want you to think about this. I'm not saying life's perfect. I'm not saying we're not going to go through heartaches. I'm not saying that we're not going to go through troubles. I'm not saying that we're going to go, go through and uh, not go through conflicts because all of that produces character and all of that is in our race. Right. But focused and faithful, just like Paul, because what will become successful? Look, what, look what Paul has, has gone to. We, we know he's been arrested a total of three times through Scripture. When you think about it, three times in Scripture he was arrested. That's only when you think about it, through the, it could have been more. But we recorded three times he was arrested in Scripture. But, but turn, turn to uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 27. This is Paul's resume, and we know it, but I want to read it this morning. It says, five different times. How many times? Five times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. He says, I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. Basically, everywhere he went, he faced danger. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty, and I have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. I said that Paul spent five and a half years in prison. Some of us would think that's defeat. Paul suffered martyrdom, beheading, and his last stint in prison. But somehow Paul still received the prize. Paul still received victory through it all, through the struggles, through the beatings, through the flogging, through the shipwreck, through the backstabbing, through the pain, through the sorrows, through it all. Paul still received and went after the price. And we see this in his final words in 2 Timothy, verse 4, 7 and 8. Some of Paul's final words, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained what? Faithful. Focused and faithful. Amen. He says, and now the prize awaits me. The crown of what? Righteousness. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize, listen to this. This is, this is key. He says, and the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. That's powerful when you think about it. The prize isn't just for me," Paul says. "The prize is for you. The prize is for each one of us. The prize is attainable." Paul says, "My race is completed. I've been an active participant. I was disciplined. I was focused and faithful, and I ran a successful race, and he received the prize. This morning, I want to ask you a question is, what about you? I believe he all wants us. He wants each and every one of us, no matter where you came from, no matter where you were at, no matter where you're going. God, I believe, wants us to be successful. The question this morning is, what's keeping you from that success? What's keeping you from that success? Are you not being an active participant in the race of life? Maybe you haven't disciplined yourself enough and, or maybe you've been rejecting God's discipline upon your life. Or maybe you're not faithful or focused or maybe not as faithful and focused as you should be. There's a prize waiting for you. The final question and the challenge today is how are you going to run your race? Church, it's time to remove the excuses. It's time to remove the weights It's time to get into a race and be the active participant that God has called you to be. The viewing is over, being a spectator is done. It's time to get focused, it's time to get faithful, it's time to turn up the discipline, it's time to go after the prize. Because as Paul said, there is a prize waiting for you. Just as he said, it's not just for me. I'm going to repeat Paul's words. It's not just for me. But he says it's for you. For all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Heavenly Father, I come before you today, Lord Jesus. Lord, my heart is is, is burdened, Heavenly Father. Lord, some of us have been running with a weight that wasn't meant for us to carry. Some of us have been running in the wrong direction. Some of us have been spectators for far too long, Lord. Lord, we pray for healing, Lord, across our nation. But we're unwilling to get into the race. We're unwilling, Heavenly Father, to jump into where you want us to go. Lord, we shun from your discipline and don't accept it, Lord. And therefore, Heavenly Father, we fail at the race. Lord, there's a prize waiting for each one of us, Lord, that one day we will see you in heaven, Lord. I pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's watching, Heavenly Father. Physically or alive, Heavenly Father, I come before you, Lord. You see our hearts. You see our needs, Lord. Lord, you, you see our desires. You see our wants, Heavenly Father. For the ones that need, Lord, more desire, I ask you, Lord, to give them their desire. For the ones that need more fire, Lord, I pray for your fire to fall. Lord, you have not called us to be victims, Lord, and therefore we will not walk in a victim mentality any longer. But you have called us to be a victor. And so right now, Heavenly Father, I declare victory over our lives, Heavenly Father. I declare victory, Lord, over the city of Fontana, Lord Jesus. I declare victory, Lord, over the Inland Empire, Heavenly Father. And I declare victory over the state of California and the United States of America, Lord. We will not walk in being a victim any longer, but we will walk in victors, Lord, as you have called us to be. Lord, let us walk in our purpose and our aim, Lord. Allow us to accomplish our purpose and our aim, Heavenly Father. So we can receive the success that you so desperately want to give us today. I thank you for that, Lord. Encourage us this week, Lord. Convict us. We're convicting shift us where we need to shift Proud us, pluck us, whatever we need to do, Lord, we are yours. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And the church says, Amen. Amen. God bless your church. Join us this week as we dive in a little deeper into this word. Because I 100% believe that God has made you to be a victor, not a victim. Walk in that today. You need encouragement this week. Tune back in podcast, YouTube, Periscope, Facebook. Dive dive in deep with us every morning, 10 a.m. God's up to something. We just got to be willing participants in the race. God bless the church. We'll see you throughout this week.